Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. Open your Bible to 2 Corinthians. Um, Let's go to uh, chapter 4 and verse 7. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7. When you got it, say got it. All right. It says, but we, but we have this treasure. Everybody say this treasure. In earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. And so I want to I talk to you uh, today uh, I was planning on doing something totally different, but I felt like the Lord led me in this direction and about how to be a vessel of honor. And so a couple of things I want to share with you, first of all, is, is number one, it's God's will that you, not me, not Pookie and them, you, that you are a vessel for God, for honor, a vessel of godliness that, that God created you and designed you. You know, um, in a few minutes, we're going to be talking, looking in Jeremiah 18, looking at the potter's house and looking at the potter and the clay. And I think of the first, I think of the first pot that the potter made. He dug in in Genesis, he dug into the dirt and brought up the clay, formed it and fashioned it, and then breathed his breath into the vessel. And the vessel became alive by his spirit, became a living soul. So I think of God and how he puts this, this treasure. And what this word treasure, this treasure is in earthen vessels. That's what the potter does. And, and he does it for his glory. He does it, it's kind of like he brands things. Like we have certain things, certain ladies. You know, there's this thing, I don't remember the name, but Sarah, uh, somebody in the family bought her a purse, um, uh, a Kate Spade purse. I don't know who Kate Spade is. I don't, give, I don't care anything about them purses. Sarah got all happy. You know, don't worry about my present. That wasn't anything but the Kate Spade's purse because there's a brand to it. That well, our, potter, our potter has a brand to things. There's a vessel of honor. We want to be branded with him that when people see our vessel, they recognize when they see the design, they would see the designer. And whether it's in our families or in our neighborhoods or with our kids, with our spouse, in the workplace, in business, whether you're selling, whether you're building, whether you're farming, whether you, I don't care what you're doing, whatever it is that your life as a vessel of God made with the same intentionality that God formed Adam in the dust of the ground and breathed into that dust. God was that intentional when he made you. I know you're sitting by somebody that looks like an accident, but I'm telling you that God was that intentional when he made you. Was that purposeful when he made you? And you know what he's doing in your life? You know what he's wanting to do in your life and my life? He's wanting to build his brand. He's wanting to build his brand. And and so we want to be vessels of honor. 
And, and we want to have this vessel of honor that is, we recognize the treasure. And that word treasure, it's not just a, a one-item thing. That word treasure it speaks to a storehouse of things. Treasure is a, is a, a, a plural word. It speaks to a, a storehouse of things. It's almost like the safe or the box or the room that holds all the treasures. So all the treasures of God, the storehouse of the heavenly, heavenly realities of God's glory should be in our life. That our vessel is an instrument. Our vessel is a tool. Our vessel is a container that actually holds the treasure and the treasures of heaven in earth. We're earthen vessels that carry heavenly treasure. Matter of fact, just nudge your neighbor and say, there's treasure inside of you. A lot of people, a lot of people look for the dirt, but in the kingdom of God, we're mining for the gold. We're looking for the gold in people. So there's this treasure so that we recognize it's not about us, it's about him. We don't put ourselves at the center. We don't have a, a vessel filled with treasure and, 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 and just make it about the earthen vessel. It's about the treasure that the vessel can hold. So with that in mind, turn back to Jeremiah. Turn back to Jeremiah 18. Many of you are familiar with the story of the potter and what God was speaking to the prophet Jeremiah. So in Jeremiah chapter 18, starting in verse 1, let's just read this and see what God would say to us. Jeremiah 18, verse 1. Man, I love hearing those Bible pages turn. It's cool to be on your phone, totally get it. Love hearing those Bible pages turn. Uh, I want you so passionate you get a paper cut. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise, go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something. I'm telling you right now, God, the potter's making something of you. The potter's making something of you. I'm telling you right now, there he is making something. You don't know why you're going through what you're going through? Let me tell you, he's making something. And if you, if you in the middle of the process ever forget that, if you ever forget, he's making something. Out of this attack, he's making something. Out of this trial, he's making something. Out of this mountaintop and this blessing, he's making something. Out of this valley and this struggle, he's making something. You need to know in your heart he's always making something to build his brand. And I don't care what kind of bad you've been through. I don't care what kind of bad you have done or what kind of bad has been done to you. He can make something out of it. Has, in any of the bad things that's happened in your life, has God ever made something good out of it? Yeah, he's incredible at it. So no, he's making something. He's at the wheel making some. I just love that. I could just keep talking about that for a while. Verse 4. And the vessel, everybody say vessel, that he made of clay was marred. It was, it was imperfect and, 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 and the, in the hand of the potter. So he made it again. Oh, are you, I'm just, this is just getting me excited. Anybody happy for second chances? He makes it again. 
He makes it again. God pre-calculates your ability to mess up what He made. And He does it, and He can do it again. If He did it once, He can do it again. Don't give up hope. He's making something, and He can do it again. Oh, I love this chapter. Just really good stuff. And so he made it again into another vessel, and it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Here's the word of the Lord. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord. Look at the clay in the potter's hand. So are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The instant I speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom, to pluck it up or to pull it down and to destroy it, if that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. And the instant I speak concerning the nation and concerning a kingdom, to build and to plant it, if it does evil in my sight so that it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good with which I said I would benefit it. Now therefore speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am fashioning a disaster and devising a plan against you. Return now. Return now. The point of this, because I know this some, that's some hard stuff to read. Let me tell you what the point is. Return. That's what we need to do. Return. And here's when we need to do it. Now. Return now, every one of you, from his evil way and make your ways and your doings good. Look at what their response was. And they said, that is hopeless. So we will walk according to our own plans and we will every one obey the dictates of our evil heart, of his evil heart. I don't know. Listen, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to see that's not a good idea. And this scripture, the, the word of the Lord coming to Jeremiah here, it's a, it's a hard word. It's a difficult word. We always have to read Old Testament uh, teaching from New Testament covenant reality. And so what we know, what we know is God is good. What we know that God is love. And what we know that God is not sitting here trying to, trying to hurt somebody. He's not trying to harm somebody. And, and so with every truth, a truth is like the middle of the road. And Rick Clendenin had taught this to me, and J.T. Parrish taught it to him, that truth is in the, the middle of the road. And on either side of truth, there's a ditch of error where a truth is taken to one extreme or a truth is taken to another extreme. And that truth ends up becoming error. And so the, the point of this, is return to God now. The, the point of this is can you not, can you not uh, you know, live a lifestyle seeking the Lord, hearing the Lord, and obeying the Lord? The truth is repentance and obedience. That's what the truth he's looking at is let me be Lord of your life because what I have planned for you is good. It's good. It's never to harm you. But in context, what was happening with the, the children of Israel is they got so comfortable, fat, sassy, and lazy 
so comfortable in their in being the nation of Israel and being God's people that they got lazy and they stopped hearing God. They stopped obeying God. They started doing their own stuff. It came to be more about their comfort than their obedience. It came to be more about you know their comfort than their responsibilities. They began to look at their rights instead of their responsibilities. And they fell into this, this lull. They fell into this dullness. They fell into this thing where, where they, they got carried away with selfishness and, and greed. But they, they would claim, we're the people of God. God is always for us. And so the prophets, God would send prophets like Jeremiah to warn them, like, hey, you need to wake up. You need to wake up. And here's the thing that I just, I just want to say in, in this that I think we can take from it so I don't spend too much time unpacking this point. Is Number one, God is good. Number one, God is a God full of grace, full of truth, full of mercy and love. Everything he does is motivated by love. Everything he does is for our good. He's a good, good father. But in life, in life, we have things that happen to us. And sometimes there are just circumstances. Sometimes it's just, it, we get a flat tire, it's a flat tire. It's not God, it's not the devil, it's, not, it's just a flat tire. It's a nail. There's storms that come. They, they come on the just and the unjust. There was a tower, an accident that Jesus talked about um, where I believe it was 18 people in, in a, that a tower fell on them. And, and, and people, see this is what church people do. If something bad happens to somebody, oh, they must have been doing something bad. They must, have, they must have been doing something bad. That's the, and, 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 and then we think if something good's happened to them, they must have been doing something good. Well, I've met a lot of people who had, who've had good things happen to them in the middle of them doing bad. And have had bad things happen to them in the middle of them doing good. And a matter of fact, sometimes we can lie to ourselves and we, we, we like sin just a little bit and nothing bad happens. We think like God, it's like your parents, like they ain't home, they ain't watching, they don't know. And, and we, we do another one, you know, and we go, and then, and then we do, do another one, and we go, and, 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 you know, it's like, I can't believe I'm going to tell this story. My parents had a wonderful child, and then there's some others. <laughs> Mom, if you're watching, well, never mind. I'm just uh, so <laughs> what happened is I used to have, I used to have a potty mouth. I, I used to not say things that was great, and then I had a brother that, I'm telling you, I'd say something. It'd be me and him out in the yard, just me and him. Nobody else's business, me and him out in the yard. And I'd say something. He'd run in. I'm like, where are you going? Where, where, where are you going? I'm going to tell mom and dad. I'm like, no, keep it between us, man. And so he runs inside, tells. Next thing I know, mom's bringing me inside. And, you know, and mom's always bold when she's like, dad's behind her, right? It's like, so I come inside, and here's this thing that she would do. If I ever said any kind of dirty words or whatever, she would take a bar of soap. A bar of soap. <laughs> yeah, and put it in your mouth and start cleaning your mouth. <laughs> it was nasty. So that happened many times. And listen, I'm going to tell you, when you got a gap too, soap like comes up in the gap, it, it's hard. It, it's a, it's a terrible experience, all right? It's a terrible experience. I'm still in counseling over it. And I still don't like my brother. Uh, 
uh, but the reality is, one day she it, they did it so much because I just I wasn't learning, um, and and so w- what happened one day is my, my mom had to run to the store and dad wasn't home and my brother and sister were there and so I had said something and my mom was walking out the door, you better go wash your mouth out with soap, young man. And so I was like I was so used to doing it. I'm like okay, so I go to the bathroom. Mom leaves. Mom goes to the store and my brother and sister real quiet. It's like watching me. Like they're on an expedition, just watching me. And I go into the bathroom, I get the bar of soap, and I'm looking in the mirror, and I'm like, oh, I hate the soap. Uh, oh. <laughs> I'm just gnawing on this soap. And my brother and sister peek around the door, and they're looking, what are you doing? I'm, I'm eating the soap because I said a bad word. They're not even, parents are not even home right now. Like, what are you doing? And sometimes we treat God that way. It's like we do something, and if we don't get in trouble immediately, if there was like an ant eh, or, a, you know, like a something, oh, okay, my bad, my bad. It's kind of something we'd be corrected. But we, we get lulled into doing a little bit, nothing happens. Doing a little bit more, nothing happens. And we take his, we misinterpret his goodness. And then we get so lazy in hearing that what happens is our good God and our loving God, full of grace and full of truth, full of mercy, is trying to talk to us. But we're so dull in our hearing, we don't listen anymore. And he's trying to have a conversation with us. But since we, we, you've heard me say a million times here, the wise and the mature are, are corrected by a conversation. But the immature and the foolish are only corrected by consequences. And so what God will do when we're not able to give him our attention is he has ways to get our attention. It's not punishment, it's correction. It's not punishment. All of your punishment went upon Jesus. But God has ways to use consequences to get your attention. And and, and what he does is just, he's just so cool. And a matter of fact, I want to show you, I think I've got this, this prop about a, a vase. I went and bought a really expensive, Lord Jesus, help me, a really expensive vase from Home Goods. <laughs> Lord Jesus, y'all pray for your pastor. I think I got it. Lord Jesus, this is a really nice vase. I thought about maybe giving it to Sarah. Sarah may want it. I also thought about keeping the receipt and taking it back after the illustration. Um, Michael, you gave $100, so maybe here in a few minutes, I'll bless you with this vase from Israel. (laughs) It's an expensive vase. It's all protected and... And everything really good. This vase, according to the potter, is like, is like us. And he wants to put his brand on it, put his beauty on it. And it's our life. And it's, it's the glory of God is this, this, the, the treasures of heaven in this earthen vessel that God creates these things by design. And the design reveals the designer. This beautiful vase. I have another one because I want to show you something really cool here. Uh, if you stay with me, I've got another one. Um, this is from the Orient. The home goods in the Orient. Here, why don't you hold this and maybe just put it on the ground right there, and that'll be that'll be good. 
<laughs> hey, Michael, you still want it? That makes me think of a verse. Look in Jeremiah. Uh, look in Jeremiah 25. As a matter of fact, guys, just pull it up. Pull up Jeremiah 25. And your fall, and, and you will fall and shatter like a fragile vase. Uh, the Amplified says it this way. And you shall fall, and, you're, and you shall fall, and it, I can't even read it. You shall fall and be dashed into pieces like a choice vessel. You know what happens in the kingdom of God when a disciple of Christ made for his glory falls? God doesn't hate the vase. The potter doesn't say, you silly vase. I, I, it's not God's anger and God's judgment and God's wrath as he's looking at the vase. But what, what God understands and what we need to understand, we are images created for his glory. And when we as disciples of Christ choose a lifestyle of sin and we, don't, we fall into the error, the two errors or the two ditches that we can fall into is grace, 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 love, 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 do whatever you want. It really doesn't matter. God loves you. That's a lie from the enemy. It's a lie from the enemy. And the other side is legalism over here where it's like, you better do right. If you don't do right, God doesn't love you. And God's going to come get you and he's going to punish you. And it's all performance, performance, performance. That's a lie from the enemy. But what all of us need to walk in and get the, the message of what God was trying to speak to the people that he loved and the people that had his name that were living ungodly lifestyles because they were comfortable and they got lazy and they, they did a little sin and nothing happened. Did a little more sin, nothing happened. And pretty soon, I'm not going to church anymore and I'm not, doing, I'm not worshiping God anymore and I'm not doing these things that I don't, because I don't need to do them. See, that's the danger of learning a fear-based performance in church, and if your motivation to obey God is fear, then you're on the wrong, you're in error. See, the motivation to obey God should be love. Should be love. God, I love, I love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I love you, God, because you first love me. So obeying your commandments is not burdensome. This is a love marriage. It's a love relationship. Your way's better than my way. So I say no to myself and yes to you. Because I love you. But if I learn fear-based performance in every, I look at my circumstances and if I get a flat tire, oh, God, I must have done something wrong. God, I'm so sorry. I'll make up for it. God, I'll make up. You can't make up for it. You can't walk on these eggshells of, of if you do good, you are good, but if you do bad, you are bad. God loves the vessel. And we have circumstances in our life. And then we have, let me see this vessel. <laughs> uh, let me see this vessel. So then, <laughs> round two. So we have this vessel. And, and, and circumstances happen. 
that make us a little scary now. A little nervous, like, oh, a storm's coming. It's getting close to the edge. If you ever feel like you're close to the edge, get back on the Word. That wasn't planned, but I think that was pretty cool. And then winds come, circumstances come. Circumstances come to everybody. Not just sinners or righteous. Circumstances come to everybody. But then there's also like attacks that come. And as a church, we got to stop thinking when, when somebody's under attack or bad things are happening, we have to stop immediately assuming they've done something wrong. They might, Job was doing everything right. And Job, God, God said, bring it on, enemy, to Job, not so that God could teach Job a lesson through pain and suffering, but so that God could teach the devil a lesson through Job's obedience through pain and suffering. And then the enemy will come sometimes to your vessel and come, and he'll speak to you, oh, you're a pretty vessel. You're a handsome vessel. You know, you got potential. You got potential. Come on, and he'll bring other people around. He'll, he'll take you. And here's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to bring you and take you to, to a place where, come on, we can do this. I've got plans for you. God, God's going to leave you there on that table, but I'm going to bring you higher. I'm going to bring you higher. And look at all these, look at all these people looking at you. Look at all these people looking at you. See, God wanted to keep you down there where no one could see you, but I'm, I'm going to make something of you. God's been holding out on you, but I tell you what, and I'll do it much quicker. I'll do it much quicker. And so the reality, breathe. The reality is the enemy wants nothing more but to get you on the biggest stage possible as fast as he can. It didn't drop or it didn't break. So, Lord, why didn't it break? She, she said it's not glass. Because it's from Israel. And I'll sell it to you. <laughs> it's unbreakable. And sometimes the first time it doesn't break. So you know what happens? We come up again and we fall for the same old line again. And we come up again. That's what happens. And you know what? Sometimes what happens? Maybe this is why it didn't break the first time. Sometimes the enemy will come in pride and hold you up and he uses pride. Other times, other times he flips his tactics. Like he brought Jesus to the, to the pinnacle of the temple and said, throw yourself off. And a spirit of suicide comes to speak to you and says, you're not worth anything. You weren't made by the master. You're not worth anything. You might as well just jump off. I love how you gasp both times. Because that needs to be our reaction. When disciples of Christ, you included, make sinful decisions. When we take grace and excuse us, use grace to excuse us to walk in sin and say, don't judge me and don't correct me.
and we learn to live a lifestyle claiming all the promises but not taking responsibility. And we don't need to be the people that are always looking at people, broken face, broken face, and we're like the police and judging people, being very law-minded and, and always judging people. And everything's got, you know, there's a right and wrong and, and judging instead of just loving people. Because the reality, what the potter does is he comes to these vases and he loves them. And he sees them. We look at it and think, oh my goodness. The gasp of the fall, the gasp of being broken. But here's the deal. Many times I found whether I fell or I jumped, so to speak, that once I was broken because I wasn't listening to God, I couldn't humble myself so I had to be humbled. I wouldn't give God my attention so He had to get my attention. And in His love and in His mercy, he, in His grace, He accelerated my fall so it would happen sooner rather than later so that He could have more time to use me after He rebuilt me and put me back together. And in the love of God, what he will do, and I'm going to just place this at the altar. Because when the broken vessel comes before the altar, the potter can begin to make it again. And when this broken vessel comes before the altar, the potter can make it again. Now, this other part I'm going to do here real quick. Just uno momento. See, when you fall, that's where pastors get involved. And most of the times, pastors got to come and clean up the mess. Clean up the fragments. And if you do it long enough, if you're not careful and you're not motivated by the love of God, you can start getting angry at the vases. If you've had family members that you've seen like, gosh, how many times do you keep doing this? How many times do you keep failing? How many times do you keep falling? How many times do you keep jumping? I know your worth, but you don't know your worth. And I'm really getting sick and tired of this game. Really getting sick and tired of it. But you know what? I don't want anybody else to get hurt as they come to this altar. So sometimes there's some cleaning up that has to happen. To be uh, real transparent with you, sometimes I come in this place and pray when nobody else is here. And I pray over this altar. Because I know the fragments of one person's fall can be piercing. Thank you for your help in pointing out the glass. <laughs> I love it. Do you vacuum at home? You don't have a vacuum at home? I feel like a prophetic word is coming. <laughs> is your room clean? It, it is? Well, very good. Very good. Jesus loves a clean room.
we have to clean up the mess. And sometimes I come in here and I realize when you look at a vessel in this kind of condition and you look at the remnants of what happened, it can be weary. It can be hard. And Sarah and I, we pray for fresh grace. We pray for fresh oil over our life. That we can serve the potter in a church full of broken vessels. As God is making you again, branding you again, building you again, putting treasure in you again. The altar is a beautiful place. There's a scripture um, the last scripture I'll show you in 2 Timothy. Just go look at 2 Timothy real quick. Make a big old right in your Bible. 2 Timothy. Michael Reagan, I'll throw in the other vase for free. Second Timothy chapter two. God is making something. Don't let your circumstances, don't let your flesh, don't let the devil, don't let your self-centered appetites, don't let your laziness, don't let your lust talk you out of what God is making in your life, making of your life. You are valuable. You are priceless. You are a vessel made by the master to carry the glory of the Lord. The, you're valuable enough that the enemy will attack you. You're valuable enough that he'll suggest lies to you and make you think they're your own thoughts. But by the grace of God and by the love of God, you can stand in truth and you can submit yourself to God. You can resist the enemy and you can say, God, not my will be done, but your will be done. God, I love you with all of my heart. I love you with all of my mind. I love you with all of my strength. I don't want to go do that nonsense anymore. I don't want to keep taking one step and getting away with it. One step and getting away with it. One step, see, God ain't going to hurt me and then wham. I don't want to live in such a way that I'm so dull and I'm so deaf that God cannot, that I don't have the ability to hear God speak to me based on a conversation. I want to be the kind of person that says, God, search me and examine me. Search me and know me, God. That is there anything I did yesterday that you want to talk to me about? Not because you're angry with me, because you're not. Not because you want to punish me, because all the punishment that could possibly go to me went to Jesus but so I can be a vessel of honor. 2 Timothy, start in verse 15. I'll just read for a minute. 2 Timothy in verse 15. When you got it, please say got it. Be diligent to present yourself. Approve to God, a worker who, is not, who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their, uh, and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and uh, 
Philitus are of this sort who have strayed. Boy, I wouldn't want my name in the Bible at that part. Who have strayed concerning the truth. That's what, that's what blows my mind, is people will take love and take grace and use love and grace or an idea of love and grace and stray away from the truth. People also, people also go into truth without any grace and without any love. But grace is not, grace is full of, God is full of, Jesus is full of grace and truth. Grace always empowers truth. Truth is always supplied by grace. It's grace for truth. Grace empowers obedience. Verse 19, look at this. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. That's unrighteousness. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone, I love that, we go from everyone to anyone. If anyone cleanses himself. Now, what he's talking about is in Christ. If you're a disciple of Christ, Christ has cleansed you. He has redeemed you. He has empowered you. He has given you his grace. His grace is not only his favor, it's also his ability. So once you have been born again and you are a disciple of Christ, you now have the ability in Christ and through Christ to cleanse yourself. So if you're sitting here waiting on somebody else to fix you, waiting on somebody else to make it right this time, I keep getting broken because I just can't handle this. I can't, I don't know, I don't know what, I, it's, somebody else has to do it. If you're mad at somebody else, if you're mad at your husband or you're mad at your wife or you're mad at your friends or you're mad at the government, for the, for the sin in your life you have been lied to. You can cleanse yourself in Christ. And he says, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor. Sanctified, which means set apart, and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, and joy with those who call on the name, call on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. So here's the deal, y'all. The potter and the master loves this vessel. Loves it. When you sin, it does not change God's love for you. When you sin, it does not make God angry with you. But when you live a lifestyle of sin, I believe in God's grace and in his mercy, and this is actually what I pray. Some of you may not like this. And the reason I pray it is because God's done it in my life. Let everything, let everything that can be shaken be shaken so that that which cannot be shaken will remain. God in his mercy and grace will accelerate the futility of your sin. If you're not willing to confess, he'll help you get caught. 
If you're not willing to repent, he'll help you. Not because he's angry and trying to punish you. Because you weren't listening when you did one step and then another step and then another step and then another step. And you say, I love God. I love God. I love God. That's like telling your wife, baby, I love you, but how much adultery can I do? And you and I are still cool. Adultery too strong? How much flirting can I do with another woman? You and I are still cool. When you sin, doesn't mean God stops loving you. What happens is, He can't use you. He can't use you. So you got to know how to humble yourself, repent, and be broken. Be broken before God so that God can rebuild you and can take something that's broken and make it beautiful. And His divine grace will start working and reshaping you and building you. And I don't know how to pronounce the word, but there's some people in, in other nations that do these vases. Show one of these vases of, of broken vases that are beautiful and they're put back together by gold. And the vases are actually more valuable than they were at the first. It reminds me of when God was speaking about the fall of the first temple. He said, this is what the prophet said about the fall of the first temple. He said that the glory on the latter house, the glory on the second house, will be better than the glory on the first. When God remakes something, he puts his gold in it. He puts his grace in it. He puts his touch on it. And God will take the bad things you have done, the bad things that were done to you, and God if you submit yourself to him and if you repent and if in his grace you take responsibility to come before God and repent and confess your sin before him, not so that he'll love you, but so that he'll use you. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. So when you come to the altar as a broken vessel, learn how to break yourself. Learn how to humble yourself. Let's not be a church that makes it like, you know, weird to, to humble yourself or weird to break yourself. Let's be a church that cherishes when somebody has the courage to be broken before God in the house of God and with the people of God and in the presence of God to break themselves at an altar. And let's not judge them and think, mm, I wonder what they were doing. Well, what about you? What if we followed you around for a week? What if, we, what if we got into your phone, looked at your Facebook, looked at your websites, looked at your bank account, looked at your thoughts and your heart and your motive behind the good things you, that you do? Let's not be that kind of church. And let's not let's expect new people who are just coming into the new people who are coming into the kingdom who have a whole bunch of stuff to get it fixed in one week. Let's give them time. Let's walk with them through it and let's celebrate. Oh, the potter's doing something good in you. Oh, he's, he's going to use you. I know you can't see it right now. Oh, you're a little bit sharp too. You got a little bite to you, but he's making something in you. And you just keep coming to that altar. You make an altar at your house and you humble yourself. You confess, you repent, and then you take action in a new direction. You start obeying the word of God. You think differently. You, re you renew your mind. And let God use you for a greater purpose. I want to be a vessel of honor. I want to be a vessel of honor. I don't care how many times 
the enemy may come and attack me and hurt me. And you may be being attacked right now, but I want you to know the potter's making something. Worship team, I want you to go ahead and come on up. I want you to know the potter's making something in you. He's making something of you. But you need to be willing to repent. You need to be willing to swallow your pride and stop worrying about what everybody else thinks. Oh, what are they going to think about our family? What are they going to think about me? What are they going to think about our business? What are they? Who cares what they think? Part of the problem is you're putting what they think over what he thinks. I've not done this before. I've not, I don't know how to, you come and you humble yourself before God and you let your confession, you confess your sin before God. And what confession means is to say the same thing. So what confession is, is I say what God says about my sin. That's not who I am. That's who I was, but that's not who I am. I'm a new creation in Christ. The old has gone, the new has come. I have been born again. I'm a disciple of the Lord. Even even though my feelings and my emotions and the chemicals in my brain and chemicals in my body are trying to pull me towards flesh, I'm a spirit man named by God with a treasure inside of me. And out of that treasure, I say no to sin. And I confess that I don't want that anymore. That's not a part of my life. That was a part of my life, but it's no longer a part of my life, so I'm going to follow the Lord. And God, I, and I don't just, when I come and sin and I come to repent, I'm not just, oh God, I'm so, oh God, forgive me, don't hate me, God, don't beat me. That's not God's heart. Come boldly to the throne of grace. That you receive mercy and you receive grace so that when you get up, I'm a child of God, I'm a disciple of Christ, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And you have boldness and power and strength and you know that you're loved by God. And you know that God is using you for His glory. And if you submit yourself that way, even every shameful thing and guilty thing that the enemy talked you into or your flesh talked you into, God will even use all that for good. If you give it to Him. But if you want to keep holding on to it and you want to take your little visit from the potter's house, to be like what they said, no, we'll do our own thing, then you're going to Babylon. You're going to Babylon. Uh, well, that's, that's not fair. Okay, princess. Disobedience opens the door for the enemy. I want to challenge us as we go into this time of worship. On this very first song, I want to challenge us to repent. I want to challenge you to embrace brokenness. To say, oh God, search me. Search me, oh God. I don't want my life to cause other people to go (gasps) when they see the fall. I don't want my life, way too many examples that cause us to go, (gasps) a lot of people are not in church this morning because of the (gasps) they saw. So I want to encourage you as we worship to come to the altar. And would y'all too, would y'all grab these? And I don't want any kids coming up and we all and 
I don't want y'all bleeding either, but But I want to challenge you during this time of worship to respond to God. You can turn around and make your your seat an altar. And just say, God, search me. And if there's sin that he brings in your life, confess, repent, turn direction. I don't want to do that way anymore. And if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, uh, after the first song, during the second song, when they start the second song, I want the altar team to come up. And when the altar team's up here during the second song, If you need prayer for anything, if you need prayer for anything, I want you to come receive prayer. But if you need to give your life to Jesus and surrender your life to Jesus to be born again, and you need to pray with somebody like that, you come and you tell them. But for all this time of worship, I want us to just repent. Not so God will love you. Because I believe God's wanting to use you in greater capacity. I believe God's wanting to use me. I'm more excited about my walk with God right now than I've ever been in my life. I'd give almost anything if I could know then what I know now. Brokenness before God. You can vacuum if you need to. Boy, I'm impressed, man. Men vacuuming, that's a good thing, amen? Oh, you do dishes too? All right. Sorry, he's already taken, ladies. So let's just seek the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we ask you to move through our hearts, move through this room, and speak to your children. Speak to us, God. Open us. Open us. Help us to put our eyes on you and put our hearts open to you. Wake us from our stupor. Wake us from our sleep. Wake us, God, and help us to come before you in boldness, to come boldly to the throne of grace to surrender our life, to be a living sacrifice, and to be a vessel of honor for your glory. We worship you in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.